0: Welcome to the Scales Tech and AI Growth Lab podcast. I am your host, Jay Farr at Tech
1: Fusion Systems. Our guest is Karen Gilhooley at True North Collaboration. That's truenorthcollab.com. Karen, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, wonderful to be here.
1: Great to have you. Can you start us off with a a top-level overview of your business and what you do?
0: Sure, yes, of helping companies find ways to better engage their employees. So the idea being that in the workplace, everyone should be full throttle, not half there, 25% there. Everyone should show up fully engaged and ready to go. And what I found in my career is that's not the case. It's woefully not the case.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've certainly always noticed that. And it's weird, I don't know if maybe I'm just strange, but my attitude was always like, I don't care if I like my job or not. I'm here. I'm stuck here. I might as well keep myself busy and just do the best I can anyway. But I definitely did not see all of my coworkers feeling the same way. What do you think that stems from? You're there anyway for a certain number of hours. Why not just do your best anyway?
0: That's a remarkable statement. And I've often wondered the same thing myself. The fact is that I don't think people in today's world really are fully aligned with what their gifts are. I think they land in a job, they take a paycheck, they've got obligations to meet, and they just plot along. And if you're in one of those jobs, it's it's interesting because there's always something that you can do to turn that dial a bit so that it actually becomes a much more pleasurable experience, whether that's thinking, the first thing is you can think about it differently, obviously, but maybe there's a different approach or a different way to collaborate with people or different ways to solve problems, whatever it might be. The fact is that until you become dialed in, it becomes a, it's a chore. It's actually a four letter word in many people's books and it shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't. And if, Mm -hmm. if approached correctly, work should actually be a joyful expression of who you are. I know that sounds a bit Pollyannish, but That's actually how I do think of it. And I've worked in environments where that's quite possible. It certainly would be nice,
1: wouldn't it? Let's start there. Let's pause a minute in talking about whether or not that's practical. Let's just agree that would be a nice thing if we could have a little bit more enjoyment in your work since you have to go there anyway.
0: A hundred percent. And if you want to understand the statistics, they're quite alarming. Less than a third of the people in the United States love what they do. So I want you to think about that for just a second. Two-thirds of the folks that are out there trudging to work every day either are asleep at the wheel or absolutely loathe what they're doing. So for the folks that are engaged, operating in that kind of an environment, it's oxygen out of the room. Who wants to go to work in that kind of a place? So the options for a company are to either continue to ignore it and, and hope that it gets better by itself or to actually take some action, which is really not all that hard to do. It's not. As someone who's led teams and businesses throughout my career, one thing that I found is that if I didn't have my team behind me, I had nothing. It didn't matter how great my product was. It didn't matter how strong my messaging was. It didn't matter. If my team was not behind me, I had nothing. And so I had to learn the hard way that lining people up, figuring out how to put them into positions where they could play their best Is the great, is the greatest. So that's really not happening today, which is unfortunate.
1: Yeah. So you think one of the biggest reasons for lack of work performance and let's call it interest like they're not very interested in their role or their job. They show up, they collect a paycheck, but they're not very interested in it. They're not very passionate about it. And, uh, do you think? so you're saying one of the biggest reasons you think is because they're actually not in the correct role for them. So people are, are misplaced in the wrong role, or is it that the rule itself is unbalanced or both?
0: It's both. It's both. So let's start with the idea that when someone takes a job, typically your first day on the job, you are not going to work saying, oh, God, I hate this. Your first day on the job, you're probably not doing that. The first day on the job, you're probably enthused, excited. You're anticipating the future. You may actually go into the role. You may think this is the greatest thing in the world. And then something does change. And that's one thing about the world that is never going to be different. It's always going to change. And one of the biggest drivers of that change is technology. And having been in the workplace now for a number of years and seeing the impact of technology, the good side and the bad side, I can say that is, that's a big contributor to this as well. Because as companies try to make their business more efficient, as they try to actually make life easier for the employees that work there, there's a gap between helping people understand how to actually lean into this. I'll give you an example. So in one of the firms that I work for, For the past 10 years or so, we went through several automation efforts where we took out a lot of manual processes, put some robotics in place, some automated intelligence, that type of thing. And all of that is great. It gave us such incredible insight. The reports that were coming out were really astounding. But yet, helping people understand, first of all, not to be afraid of it. It's not, this is not an effort to completely eliminate all the people in the workplace this is about making things better and freeing things up so that you can actually do higher level types of things but getting back to the output and this example i can remember having conversations with people about the reports and the mi that was being produced by these new systems and the fact that people were actually pushing away from it oh i don't want to look at that i don't want to look at that you have to look at it and even if it's bad even if it says terrible things to know that, to know where you're at gives you the ability to be able to go in then and start to correct it. And I think that's the other challenge is that in addition to the MI that's being produced and the, the line people who don't really know what to do with all of this, I think the managers are also struggling with this a little bit as well. Because this isn't the way it used to be done. It used to be a situation where a manager would show up and would say, you know, do this, do this, do this. And now there's other ways of being able to motivate people to get things accomplished. And I think that's a big area unexploited at the moment.
1: Okay, so you opened up a can of worms there. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Because we started started out talking about um, low work performance and the reasons for it, and then you went into how technology is changing things. Then you hit on the positive side and the negative side, which is compounding the first problem that we even started talking about. Back to the work performance issue, something that I've noticed a lot, and it's a funny story because I noticed it both from my employees and also from my clients, how mm-hmm. much better work is when you feel appreciated for your good work. Oh, yeah. And I think that's another big problem. What do you think about that? I, do you think I, that? Do you think that contributes also to the fact that employees get to the point where they're like, whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't really care. The thing that they're not appreciated enough when they do good work.
0: I think that's an a, a incredible problem because it either doesn't exist, it comes across as phony, or it's mistimed. If you've just come off of a big project where you've really been full throttle and you've really put everything on the table, you've been working weekends, you've been working well into the night, and you get something over the line, I think it's I think it's a common expect a human expectation that there would be some celebration or recognition of that. But yet in many organizations, predominantly because the time pressures have grown bigger than anybody who's ever faced before, that it becomes like, whatever, we'll get around to it. Or that great performance that we're talking about more and more is become less exceptional and more expected. So it's one thing to do an exceptional job because you want to do it and you feel compelled to do it and you feel drawn to do it, it's another when it's expected of you and it just gets thrown into the laundry basket with everything else. So I think recognition absolutely is something that needs to be done. It has to be genuine. It has to be timely and it has to be re- related. A pat on the back today really doesn't do it, but you know, actually recognizing the effort that somebody puts in makes a huge difference in my mind.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the point about it being genuine. Because I think we all experience that in life. People say things like, how are you? And they don't really care. They're just saying it because they don't want to be rude. <laughs> you yeah, know,
0: exactly. and and yeah.
1: you can feel that, that it's and you're like, whatever. Usually I respond with a very genuine, I'm great. How are you doing? Because that's really what they want. And they just, they, people do that because they assume they're not going to get it back. And I want to let them know they're wrong. You
0: know? Yeah, you did and- that today. You did. And that was a great way to get started on this and this little exercise we're going through, it it actually made me feel connected to you. and And that's part of the problem is that we're operating in these disconnected situations. And at some point, robotics will take a bigger role in the workplace. and but the human connection is always going to be there, in my opinion. And I think that the stronger the connection, the better the performance for the person.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned this earlier when we were chatting before we started, you mentioned something along the the line of the disconnect between human connections and how AI and technology is on one side, making it better on one side, making it worse. What do you see? You've been in this field of helping businesses for some time. It's your profession. I see a lot of positive signs in talking to people that I think this is becoming uh, more of a topic of making the workplace better better human connections, ones that are real, that actually matter. I think this is more of a conversation than it ever has been before, despite the fact that some people like to say technology is making it worse. And I think there are some negative sides to technology that maybe could be blamed for a little bit of this, but it's also making it better. So maybe it's a wash <laughs> at the end. Um, but what do you see happening as far as a trend? Do you think it's getting better at all? Do you think it's a slow progress? Do you think it's staying the same? What, what are your thoughts?
0: Technology has been with us for a while now, and I think that there was a lot of fear. People, by their nature, don't necessarily lean into change. And most people find change great as long as it's not happening to them. Ask anybody on the street, what do you think about this? How do you feel about change? Oh, it's great. What, how about if we make you change? Oh, no, go change somebody else. <laughs> so I think that there, that this whole change process has been with us. People are gradually leaning into it more and more. But now, because it's been with us for a while, and the speed of the change is increasing, I think that people actually are starting to see some of the benefits of it. For example, in my workplace, I mentioned a a few minutes ago, there were a lot of mundane tasks that people were doing, things that were actually draining the souls out of folks, stuff that nobody wanted to do. But yet when we introduce the technology, it's, oh, my goodness, my job's going away. You didn't like that part of the job anyway. <laughs> so, now, so now that it's here and people are actually starting to see what this means and they can become less concerned or fearful of it, they, can, they now know that they've got more time to do things that actually mean something to them. That, that, and that's really what it's about. When you go to work, you want to feel that the time that you're putting in is actually meaningful. It has value that that you're getting something out of it, both you and the company, and ideally your customer. But when you don't have that feeling, I think that's where things start to go south a bit. So leaning into technology is something that's on the uptick. I think people are starting to recognize it. The whole AI proposition is really revolutionized things. My son's a doctor and one of the things that was very worrisome to him So as he was trudging through the whole process of of getting his degree, what do I do, man, if they automate things? What am I going to do about this? When it's true that if you have to go into surgery and there's a robot that is available to operate on you, and it's a typical type of procedure and, and the accuracy of the outcome is going to be exponentially higher if the robot does it than a human, a person might actually choose the robot. But let's say this. you're going in for a procedure you're not going into it because you're looking for something fun to do you're going in because there's something wrong and you're worried and you're stressed and you have all kinds of emotions that are sitting there at the table the robot can't interpret that at least now and so there will always have to be somebody there to help the human connection what does this mean what are my chances what does it what's the outcome what should i expect Those are things that human beings do better than any robot. And because we're so unique in every aspect of our life, trying to replicate that into an AI model is going to take a very long time, in my opinion. I could be wrong. Ten years from now, if we look back on this podcast and there are no human beings left, I guess I'll be (laughs) proven wrong, (laughs) but I don't think so. Yeah,
1: who, who knows? But I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really important point that you made, which is, and we experience this in our practice with our clients, where Sometimes you do get a little pushback from clients. Oh, you automate things. We don't know you can't automate everything. And I'm like, listen, I never said you should automate everything. You absolutely (laughs) should not. Some things should not be automated and you should automate. Like you were saying, you should automate the things that your people hate doing, that you hate doing, that take too much time, that don't really have much of a feeling of a reward in the workplace so that your people can work on higher level things that they are best at. That's and that's the, I think the best thing that we can get out of technology is to implement it correctly.
0: Right? I agree. I and agree. it's
1: not a perfect process. Some people do try to o- automate some things, and put in a robot here and go, it didn't work quite as good as we thought. Let's go back you know, to the other way, but overall it is a, a very big improvement. And The thing that I would encourage people to do is to cut your emotions out of it because technology is coming, AI is coming, whether you like it or not, doesn't matter what you think about it. So it's coming and it's already here, even though it's pretty new, it's in the early stages, but it's coming in a big way. And so the only thing that we really can do is prepare for it and understand where our place in life and in the marketplace really needs to be to maximize our time here on planet earth. So if you are someone doing something that's likely to be replaced by automation in the near future, you need to make some plans. And if you don't, it's not going to be good. And and we don't want to see that. And it's been that way for decades and decades, especially in manufacturing was a huge thing. I think uh, manufacturing jobs are are down by 50% or more Mm -hmm. in the United States. And so a similar trend is going to happen with the new technologies that come out, but we have to just understand it and implement it in the right way and plan accordingly.
0: Yeah, you bring up manufacturing. And I think about some of the people that were working in automotive plants and and how a lot of those jobs were absolutely wiped out by the robots coming in, but they were replaced by different jobs, different jobs that required different types of skills where people actually had to think. Not to say that people working on an assembly line don't have to think, they do, but they think differently. When you all of a sudden are in a situation where there's multiple things going on, it becomes a much more dynamic environment. And there's nothing that's a soul killer more than just being sitting there without having to think. So being in a place where you actually have different types of variety, the level of interaction is higher, the output of your whatever your work is more significant, I think that's really something that's beneficial for everybody but I, I just wanted to go back to a point that you made about the fact that you know, whether you're running a new program or you're in the you you might be impacted by a program these are times to start talking to communicate that if I, if there was one reason that i would see transformation programs fail in my experience it's because it wasn't the communication was not enough it wasn't consistent it wasn't relative you had people up here talking about great big plans that they had that were going to happen within the firm. And there was no communication coming down to say, what does this this mean for this person? So the gap in between is huge. And let's face it, when people are facing the unknown, they typically don't lean into, oh, this is going to be great. They typically lean into, oh my God, what's happening? Mm -hmm. So I think that from a leadership perspective and a management perspective, that in a transformation environment, you cannot over communicate. You have to figure and you have to be able to communicate in a way that connects back to what it means to the individuals on the front line, how it's going to impact them, how it's going to benefit them to the point that you made, how things are going to change and how they have to adapt, all of that. But again, there's a lot of assumption that goes into these projects that I think really derail them mm-hmm. incredibly.
1: Yeah. In my, and I'm going to say the same thing in a different way, because in my experience, the planning of rollouts of improvements or changes are almost never thorough enough. And yeah. And that's what causes most of the problems. You get halfway through the project and the things that should have been thought of before you even began were not thought about or they were thought about and not discussed or they were thought about and mentioned but no one came up with a solution or a Mm -hmm. contingency plan for them and now you're in trouble right (laughs) (laughs) now you have to undo half your work and do it again because you didn't plan accordingly i'm a stickler for planning and i think that all of the questions as many as possible have to be answered before you start because you may very well run into a, a roadblock halfway through and now it's going to cost a lot of money and it's not going to work so well. It's going to be a disaster. And I don't like disasters. I like smooth totally sailing like it. if
0: I can. And you know what happens in a disaster? That the real crisis of that, again, from the human side, is that all the people that believed, when it falls apart and falls to the ground, anybody that you were able to get to believe, they now walk away and say, and walk into the arms of the folks that were sitting in the back burner saying, Oh, just wait, that's going to go away. You know, <laughs> just dive under your desk and wait till the storm passes over. When stuff like these big projects, when they fall down, the people who actually took the chance, who took the risk, who took who actually leaned into it and said, OK, I get it. I'm with you. Those are the folks that are scarred the most. The, the folks who never believed it to begin with. It doesn't matter
1: to them. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, it it really shakes the belief systems of the people who are willing to put themselves out there and take a chance and to be innovative and to believe that it can be done better. And now they're kind of a little bit shaken. They're like, maybe it's not worth it. And I think that's a bad thing for the world at large. Let's, can we talk a little bit about your clients and what kind of businesses you work with and maybe a couple uh, practical examples of, of how you help them and what kind of problems they have that you solve?
0: Sure, absolutely. So most of my career has been spent in banking. And most people wouldn't think about banking being a big transformative environment. But believe it or not, it's one of the hottest places right now for technology. When you think about the way that we're our, our society's changing, the way payments are moving, the way people are paying their bills, the way that companies are are interacting and accepting transactions or the, the payments for transactions all of that. There's a lot going on in the financial services space. And so that's where the bulk of my clients are in that space. But quite frankly, the things that I do are really available for anyone that's looking to get a higher level of engagement for the people that work there. So, again, recognizing those facts that we talked about earlier, that only a third of the people that are coming to work every day love what's going on, that leaves a huge opportunity to convert the folks that aren't. And that's where my specialty is coming in to sit down with the leadership team to first assess what things look like. So, what is there? There's actually a measure that you can see to, so that talks about how your workforce is organized. And then what do we have to do to correct that? So are you in a change environment? How do we make people more comfortable with that? What kind of interactive, in- personal types of things can we do to make people understand what the change is going to mean for them and what the new world is going to look like? How can we simulate that through workshops and experiential exercises and that type of thing? So that's a lot of what I'm working in, working with. The second thing that I'm working with is the the metrics that go along with this. I, I briefly mentioned this a few minutes ago. Seeing are you on track, how is the change settling down on the ground? The way I look at it is transformation by itself is like the air that you're breathing. It's something that's happening, but it's happening to something. So what is it actually that you're engaging with? What is it that's happening on the ground that you need to be better or faster or sharper or smarter? What is that? So how do you get people to actually see what's improving? So I can remember in one of the different iterations that I had, we were in an environment where there was a lot of problem with the way that we were interfacing with our customers. And instead of the typical, let's put the managers over in a corner and have them bang it out on a piece of paper and then come out and just tell everybody what they're going to do to fix it. Why not bring everybody together? So this is one of my favorites. We actually ran a program very similar to Shark Tank. And so what we did is we said, okay, we've got these problems. Everybody knows what the problems are. So in your various area, whatever function you might be, think about them. And then let's come up with some ideas And let's go through a series of of presentations where we, we talk about what we think we might be able to do, and we'll pick the ones that are the lead ideas, and we'll vote on this. And we did this, and it was fun. It was one of the first times that, for me, in this particular assignment, that I was able to see people actually get enthused about the idea of solving a problem because they were involved in it. It's different when you're it's happening with you as opposed to happening to you. Those are two very different types of things.
1: Yeah, that's such an interesting exercise and it's funny because in the kind of high level engineering world of change and change management and innovation and all these Fancy words that these enormous companies use to try to improve themselves. They come up with these very simple programs, like they let their employees make suggestions on a forum and they get voted on and other people write entire books about this stuff. And it's, we could just start at a very simple practical point and say that. A lot of times upper management doesn't really know what's going on down on the floor they think they do in fact normally not and so it's so funny that you say that it seems so obvious to to me but i it's clearly not obvious to everyone because that's not a normal that's not a standard thing is it And yeah. when a company does that it's like a big deal and they're patting themselves on the back and i'm thinking to myself that should be a standard i think to get everyone together everyone and have an open discussion about what the problems are and what the problems are and why the problems are there because there's so much each person has a different insight and different information and different experience based on their roles and how long they've been there and which part of the business they're working on and, and things like that and so it's a really i think it's the best environment to come up with some ideas and some brainstorming. And of course you're going to have some bad ideas. That's how brainstorming works. And that's okay yeah. you know, because out of a bunch of okay ideas and a couple of dumb ones, you're going to have some really good ones. And um, it's just a, a discovery kind of phase where you can go, okay, we all agree that these are some big things that we have an opportunity to improve. And let's start there. So it's so refreshing to hear that someone else sees that as well.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with that—the that pace of things, so the speed in which people are expected to operate, the stress of just having so much going on in the workplace—that we're coasting along at this in this autopilot mode. And whether it's recognition or someone actually being genuinely interested, list the listening, the communication in the workplace right now is really not where it needs to be. And for the people that are on the front line, where all these ideas are. If, if you're one of those folks that actually has a little bit of courage and raises your hand and says, what do you think about this? And you're either ignored or shut down from the outset. You're probably never going to do that again, especially if it happened in an environment where there are other people around and maybe you felt embarrassed or whatever. You're, you're just not going to go down that road again. And we have to open up these doors because Making a mistake, having a dumb idea, like you said, that is going to happen. That is the way of the world. If we didn't the where we're at right now, the technology that's providing this podcast right now is the result of many trillions of stupid, dumb mistakes. So <laughs>
1: and bad ideas. I have bad ideas all the time, but you know what? One out of ten bad ideas is a really good one.
0: It is. It's <laughs> better than no ideas. Yeah. It's better than no ideas. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. What types of financial institutions usually make up the best clients for you? Do you want to tell us anything about that or who you're looking to work with or what kind of characteristics someone might see in their organization that you could help the most?
0: Yeah. So the the types of financial institutions I'm working with are not necessarily the great big ones, but the next couple tiers down. So the places where there aren't the resources available to to think about these types of things that we're talking about today, that, that might need an extra set of hands to be able to come in and run some of these programs, run some of these brainstorming sessions, that type of thing. To even assess what the state of the workplace looks like for them. So it's the kind of the mid-size to the smaller banks, the community banks. That's where the place is at. Credit unions, fintechs, a lot of work with fintechs. Those are great environments because fintechs by their nature are somewhat new. They're involved with technology. It's always changing. It's a very dynamic environment. And what we find there is that the processes and the methods of getting something done From yesterday, yesterday is almost every day. So it keeps changing over and over again. How do you keep pace with that? And to be able to help people understand that just because it's comfortable doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. So the burnout factor is a huge concern. And when you're operating in one of those environments and finding ways to stabilize that and make continuous process improvement part of the DNA of the organization that's a, a very big piece
1: of, right. of what I do. And I'll just mention, obviously, there is a, also a huge financial benefit to the bottom line in improving the performance of your staff and the continual improvement efforts and the, the, the exercises you do to open up kind of that communication and to let everyone know it's okay to have ideas and communicate them to the proper people. And they're going to get some really fantastic ideas and communication about how things are actually running versus what it says on their report on their desk
0: agreed agreed yep
1: and what's the best way for people to get in contact with you
0: there's a couple different ways i'm available on linkedin of course my website www.truenorthcollab.com that's available and certainly to schedule a call visit my website or drop me a line through linkedin and happy to connect absolutely
1: yeah, and you're right on LinkedIn. That's Karen Gilhooley. and then your website, TrueNorthCollab.com. And there's a big button way at the top. It says "Schedule Call." Very it does easy.
0: right there. I press the button. <laughs> you
1: can't miss it. I love it. If it's not right at the top of the page, I'm like, why isn't it at the top of the page? Like, why yeah. are you making people look for it?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I promise that if someone calls, I will not say. When they say, "How are you doing?" I will actually give a genuine answer.
1: and we know that you will too feel free if you wanna jump into anything else or hit any other topics we might've missed, but I will ask you a last question I have here for you. And okay. that is what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs looking to succeed that you wish you would have known when you started?
0: Oh my goodness. We talked about this at the top when we got together and it is a long road. It's a long road and it can be really lonely. And what I what I wish I had known at the start of all of this is that it's the making of the mistakes that makes the difference that making a mistake and, and going back and correcting it. That's not a waste of time. That actually propels you forward and to be able to do that with people out there who've gone through the similar journey to reach out and ask for help. I have never seen such a collaborative group as people who are in this space trying to build their business. People have been genuinely helpful, collaborative, cooperative. It's just a completely different environment than the structured workplace that I've been part of for such a long time. It's really been refreshing. And the last thing about it is being able to manage my time in a way that I feel drives value is really important. It's really important.
1: Yeah. That's a fantastic insight and advice. And I also wished I would have known those things in the beginning too. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. It's a tremendous amount of value for anyone out there who's not started their journey yet, or maybe you're into it and you're having second thoughts. It's part of the journey. Keep going. You can get there. Karen, thank you so much for your time with us today. It was great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you. It was wonderful to be here. Thank you.